0: What do you get when you get a former 17-year-old general manager, a movie star, and also a person who took no prisoners on the rink and put it together with Locked On Devils? You get a great interview. I got A.J. Galanti, and he is here for an open hockey discussion. It's going to be a lot of fun, so buckle up, everybody.
1: You're Locked On Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hi, this is Bryce Salvador and you're Locked on Devils with Trey Matthews. Alrighty now what is up New Jersey welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host college hockey play-by-play announcer and also devil's writer for pucks and pitchforks Trey Matthews and I have a very special episode for you guys today so joining me today is AJ Galanti he is the star of the Netflix film Untold Crime and Penalties and he's also the former general manager of the now defunct Danbury Trashers AJ and his story uh, along with his uh, father Jimmy have a very compelling hockey background like I said uh, A.J. became general manager of the Danbury Trashers when he was just 17 years of age, had to put uh, his band of misfits together, and somehow, some way, he was able to make it work. I loved watching the movie on Netflix, so I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it yet. Once again, the name of the movie is Untold Crime and Penalties. He is also a big New Jersey Devils fan, so we talk a little bit about the New Jersey Devils. We talk about uh, his experience watching the 2003 Stanley Cup Finals and also he's up to nowadays he actually has a signing coming up in the next uh week so uh make sure you check it out that's towards the end of the episode we talked about the the documentary we talked about him putting his team together we talked about his personal life we talked about all sorts of things it was a great discussion i can't wait for you guys to hear it so before i bring in aj it is time for the first live read this morning and it comes from our friends at bill bar so this is the time of year that i pretty much have given up on all of my new year's resolutions but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right. Thanks to Bill Bar, it almost feels as though it's not really a workout because I enjoy eating them. Have you have you ever tried the puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out. Uh, they're one of Bill Bar's best tasting protein bars. Puffs are the first uh, protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar, they're a treat and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. Yummy cinnamon, churro, coconut, marshmallow, banana cream pie, so good. These are going to be your new favorites, guaranteed. Like I said, all Bilt Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. However, they are low in calorie, high in protein. Replace your candy bars with these, they are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Most built Bars contain 130 calories calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. And like I said, compare that to a candy bar, Built Bars are by far the better choice and they taste so good. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new this month, white chocolate, cookies and cream. They are all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. If you think a flavor might be good, they'll make it, and it'll be delicious, and it'll be good for you. I don't know how they do it, but somehow, some way, they make it work. So the offer is go to built.com, use promo code LOCKS15, you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKS15 for 15% off at Bilt.com. And now, the second live read comes from our friends at betonline.net. So football might be over this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is the source for hockey, boxing, NASCAR, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information. Now that the Olympics is over, you're going to have to find something else to bet on. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Please remember to gamble responsibly and visit our friends at Lock on bets for all your betting needs there as well so let's talk to aj galanti the star of the netflix film untold crime and penalties former general manager of the danbury trashers uh like i said for any of you who don't know his backstory his father basically gave him the, the keys to the organization wanted to give back to the community so he purchased the danbury trashers and um his the father also has ties to uh mob dealers and uh just if you haven't seen the film i highly recommend watching it so let's get right into the interview with aj galanti Take it away. And now joining me for this special interview, he is the former general manager of the Danbury Trashers, and he is also the star of the Netflix movie Untold Crime and Penalties. It is AJ Galanti. AJ, how you doing, my friend?
1: I'm doing well, Trey. Thanks for having me, bro. Appreciate you.
0: Uh, man, I, I just want to say I saw the, the movie uh, Untold Crime and Penalties on Netflix, and I, I must say I was hooked. I loved every bit of it. I love the backstory. I loved your story with hockey. I loved uh, the overall history of the Trashers, and despite it not really working out, I still loved the the end story of how you guys just still connected with one another. How it was a family, loyalty, things of that nature—just true virtues. And uh, you know, for anyone who hasn't seen the documentary, uh, where did hockey begin for you?
1: Well, I mean uh, I was born in 1986, so I think a lot of kids around my age it it it, it started with uh, the movie The Mighty Ducks. You know, um you know I was I was I'm I'm born I'm here in Connecticut, you know, close to the New York border, so hockey at the time wasn't super big for us. And um it was just one day, you know, I I went out to go see a um a movie with my my mother. I remember she brought us to see Mighty Ducks. I had no idea what the Mighty Ducks was going to be about, but that kind of spurred the whole thing, man. I mean, I ended up becoming obsessed with hockey. And um, coincidentally, my first game was a uh, New Jersey Devils game back in 1990. I want to say it was either 93 and 94, New Jersey Devils game at the old uh, Continental Airlines Arena. I'll never forget it. It was against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And uh, that was it. I, I, uh, hockey became just such a huge part of my life after, you know, both of those uh, two instances. So uh,
0: you said that the Mighty Ducks were a main influence on you. But something I also discovered in the documentary was that WWE was also big for you. So you were big into the fights. You took no prisoners. Is that how you just played the game overall when, when uh, your father laced you up in skates?
1: yeah i mean uh wrestling b- even before the mighty ducks or hockey wrestling was kind of my first love you know almost to the point where i thought i was gonna be a wrestler you know i mean i think every little kid wants to be you know most kids i grew up with wanted to be you know hulk Hogan, macho man randy savage stone cold it was uh it was fun but i tell you the truth aside from wrestling really for me um i patterned my game after scott stevens actually from the devils and uh you know, he was just a rough, tough guy, you know, always laying laying people out. It seemed like every time he was on the ice, he was hitting somebody. And, um, I mean, Scott Stevens was a god to me, man. I mean, I just, uh, I loved him. And, you know, growing up, most guys want to be the scorers and stuff. I just wanted to be like Scott Stevens, you know. I just wanted to be that stay-at-home defenseman, steady, protect the net, hit people when needed. And, uh, yeah, I patterned a lot after him, especially as a young kid.
0: I love Scott Stevens. I just loved how he like, like I said many times, how he takes no prisoners. I love how if you wanted to come into his blue paint, you better be prepared to fight him because he is not going to let you in with these. And the thing is, he got a lot of penalties, but his plus minus was still very good. So you knew that he was still effective despite you know racking up the penalties. And I've actually had Bryce Salvador on this show before, and you know he he told me that you know Scott Stevens taking no prisoners—that's facts. That's just how it. It was in the days like if you wanted to come into his uh, into his defensive zone and try to score on him, be prepared to fight. That's just how the game was played back then. But, you know, uh, you know, I've always thought that Scott Stevens and and company were the bad boys of of hockey because, you know, obviously the Devils aren't really the most likable franchise. Uh, There's a reason why uh, due to the amount of defensive units we had, including Brodor, who was a goalie there's a reason why there's only one Ford who has his number retired and that's Patrick Elias. So you knew the reputation that the devils had in terms of just being a defensive unit. But like I said, uh, a lot of people think that the devils in that era were the bad boys of hockey, but you guys, the Danbury trashers were the true bad boys of hockey, despite being in the UHL. So we're going to talk about the overall team in a second, but, uh, I, I saw the documentary. You got injured, and unfortunately, that abruptly ended your hockey career. Your father, uh, who owned a trash place, and also just got out of uh, out of jail, uh, wanted to give back to the Danbury community, so he bought the Trashers franchise, and he made you, you AJ Galanti, 17 years old, not even an adult yet. You were named the general manager of your dad's franchise what was that thought process like like because you're still a kid going to homeroom and things of that nature still got to worry about homework and all that and now you got to run an organization you got to sign paychecks you got to put your roster together
1: it was just uh it, it was such a crazy time man you know what i mean i, I tell people you know after all these years you would think i'd figure a word to describe it but i can't it was just one of those things where um as I get older now, I mean, I'm 35 years old. As I get older now, and I kind of look back and I'm like, man, that really was insane that we were doing the <laughs> Like it was insane that my father would um, would do that. But, you know, there's always a method to his madness, you know, and uh, it was one of those things where I, I think he had a lot of reasons for starting the team, but I know a, a focal point of it was to get me involved, um, obviously my my. My playing career, you know, I, I didn't peak too high. I was in high school. But, you know, my playing career was basically over. So it was a way that I could stay in the sport. Uh, you know, I'm very grateful for him for the opportunity. But um, it was also uh, everything with my father's very sink or swim. So, you you know, it doesn't matter how old you are. If if he thinks you're capable of something, he'll drop you in the deep end. And, and you, you got to find your way out, you know. And, uh, and I was blessed also. We had a great team around us. It obviously, it wasn't just me. but you know, we had a a great team around us and uh, it made things a lot easier. Speaking of the team,
0: let's talk about some of the players you signed. So Brad Wingfield, uh, notoriously known for basically breaking everything from his, from his legs to his arms, missing a a finger. Um, one eye. Willie, you know, had dreams of playing in the NHL. Unfortunately, at training camp, someone whacked him uh, in the eye with his, uh, with his stick. And unfortunately that, roughly ended his uh dreams of getting to the nhl uh you signed uh rumen Nader, uh the nigerian nightmare you signed two brothers who you said kind of reminded you of the movie Slapshot, where they just basically play together and it's like you can't separate them it's sort of like a beavis and butthead kind of thing like it's just <laughs> like or or ever seen uh 22 jump street where the, you know there's those two twins and it's just like they're always in sync and they're just uh hilarious i love them and then we'll talk talk about Mike Rupp in uh, momentarily. But just talk about uh, you know putting your team together because you said that uh, basically you're 17 years old. You don't really have that much experience in the industry, and you basically just had to do everything via a video game or by Google. You became a Stack Geek, as you said, and you're, you're basically putting like, as I would describe it, just this band of misfits together. And just you're, you're. It's sort of like reminding me of Moneyball, which is like you're finding guys under the radar but have great value.
1: Well, you first of all, I think the Beavis and ButtHead comparison was probably the greatest thing I ever heard. I never heard that comparison before, but that is the best way to describe those two. As a matter of fact, that's what I'm changing their names in my phone to Beavis and ButtHead. It's a perfect way to describe those two nuts. But uh, no, man, you know what it was. Growing up, I um. I used to study a lot from like, uh, you know, Al Davis from the old Oakland Raiders, right? He always used to have a band of misfits. And uh, he seemed to find a way to find, like you said, these under the radar guys that, frankly, if you could put them in the right position and you could blend them together, they could do some big things. And, um, you know, I, I know the documentary kind of highlights my, my um, kind of like my love for st- stats and, you know, statistical analysis and, and that. But honestly, it's it's it really wasn't as sophisticated as they made it seem. You know what I'm saying? It was one of those situations where, um, you know, look, there was no social media, you know, there were really wasn't YouTube, so you kind of just looked at the basic statistics, like you said, goals, assists, penalty minutes, plus minus. Um, you know, I didn't try to make it too complicated, and and frankly, you know, we we were looking for guys that felt underappreciative, or you know, maybe weren't stars elsewhere, and. We thought that we, you know, with our personalities, my father, me, you know, our our whole team, we felt that we could get the most out of anyone we worked with. And that was always the goal is to um, get the most, you know, it's like it's like uh, squeezing that tube of toothpaste till it all comes out, man. You know, it's like one of those things where we we wanted to get the most out of guys and um, look for guys that were truly underdogs.
0: And you guys achieved that and some. But here's the thing. Uh, we, we talked about being bad boys in hockey, and you guys made this a T in the documentary. You said you guys took no prisoners. Your father, Jimmy Galanti, aside from having a legitimate business, also had some ties with, with the mob and, you know, uh, faced some legal troubles. But at the same time, he was very big on loyalty and just standing up for your family members And I'm going to ask you this question like they asked you in a documentary. What does the word loyalty mean to you?
1: Loyalty to me is, um, now I sound like my dad in the documentary. You'd think I'd have an answer for this right away. But uh, loyalty to me, man, is uh, one of those things where I could have my back turned to you. I could be away from you for a year. And I know you have my best interests at heart. Um, If we're a team, if we're a group, we're all in this together. Um, you know, I'm not big on the word bosses or supervisors or president or general managers. To me, we were all on the same level, just at different spectrums, right? So, you know, to me, just because I was, uh, you know, in the front office, you know, I, I didn't think I was any, any higher than, you know, the janitor or, the, or, or a player or whether a guy played one game with us or two full seasons with us. If you were a Trasher, you were a Trasher forever. And um, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, loyalty is, like you said, we all have the same mindset. We all have the same goals. And, you know, if I'm down, I know you're going to pick me up and vice versa. And, um, you know, if we start something together, we we, we finish it together. And uh, we just – it's it's hard to define loyalty. It's such a weird thing to me because – There's in a weird way, there's like different levels of loyalty to people. But to me, it's just black and white. If if I'm with Trey Matthews, I'm with Trey Matthews. That's my guy. I'm not going to say anything bad in public about him. I'm not going to you know, we may have disagreements, but we keep it in house and we work out amongst ourselves. You know, that's uh, that to me is loyalty. And we figure a way for all of us to prosper, for all of us to eat.
0: I love that answer and like I said I was just curious to know because uh, I was just uh, touched by that by that scene because despite because I remember everything my dad said he said even if you're 100% wrong I still have your back you know yep. that kind of thing. So like Yeah you know, and and, said- and
1: you just hit it on the head that my dad always said the same thing to me he said look I'm not we're not always going to agree with each other about certain things but we we keep it in house and um I'm not going to publicly you know, like I said, if, if you're on my team, uh, we keep it in the locker room, we keep it in the offices and we, we settle it one way or the other. And you don't you know, you don't go on to social media and start bashing somebody or going on YouTube or interviews. And to me, that that's a that's your father's right. That's one of those things where, you know, I may tell you privately that you're wrong or I feel you're wrong, but you, you never do it to an outsider.
0: Right now, let's go from family and overall organization to what happened on the rink. So at puck drop, your father gives the green light to Brad Wingfield to say, Hey, you put down your gloves and you beat the crap out of somebody. And that was basically your guys' identity. You were notoriously known for getting into fights, like gloves come off, blood everywhere, teeth missing. Someone's out with an injury. Penalties, uh, fines. It, it, it got so bad that Richard uh, Broussel the the commissioner, basically threatened, saying, "If this keeps on going, going, your 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 fines are going to get heftier and heftier and heftier." And your father was just like, "You know what? I'm just going to pay you in advance because uh, <laughs> this is because we're we're not going to stop." What was it about your identity, just saying, "Hey, we're just going to drop the gloves and we're going to play smash mouth, physical brand of hockey."
1: Well, you know, uh, listen. At the time, I mean, it's, I sound like an 80-year-old man when I talk like this, but back in those days, you know, intimidation played a huge role in sports. I don't care what anybody says. Um, do I think it's like that now? Maybe not. And I'm not just talking about hockey. I mean, it's all sports. I mean, the intimidation factor, you know, our goal was legally, obviously, any advantage we can get to psychologically beat our opponent where they just don't want to come to the ring. they know that we have enough skill to beat you on the scoreboard but at the same time we got enough toughness on that depth chart to to make it a long night for you i mean it was one of those things where we controlled the chessboard if we decided hey we're gonna make this a physical game you have no choice if we decide hey you know what everyone's gonna save their knuckles tonight we're just gonna play it straight We, our job was, you know, my dad always taught me that control is an illusion. You know, we don't have control over a lot of things, whether we think it or not, but the things you can control, you find a way to control that chessboard. And to us, we put together a team and an identity and a psyche that our players bought into and our marketing group built bought into to the point where we almost controlled how the game was going to be. If it was going to be a Smash Mouth game, you had no choice. If it was going to be just a finesse game, well, that's, you know, it was probably a breath of fresh air for them, but that's how it was going to be. We just had, it was just a perfect mix of players. Um, Our front office, the fans bought in. It was just one of those things, uh, Trey, where lightning just struck. It just, everything just blended so perfectly for us that we were able to execute everything that we, we, we had hoped.
0: Uh, speaking of Wingfield, uh, he got his leg broken by, by an opponent, and he was out for a significant amount of time. There was talk saying, like, he probably will never play the sport of hockey again, but he was determined to get back onto the rink, and he just said, uh, I-, I can only decide when I'm done. He comes back, makes a triumphant return, let's just say. Unfortunately, like you said, I can't find it anywhere. I've tried. But um, let's just say it was malice in Danbury that that night when he returned because he wanted vengeance. He was a shark in the water smelling blood. He wanted revenge on the person who broke his leg. And you guys even took it a step further because, like we said, your dad does not take any prisoners. And he was like, hey, I know where he lives. You just give me the word and he's gone or, you know, let's in terms of just, like, being hurt. Like, well, let's just say in that regards. But you guys, like, just had this, like, just identity of just, like, um, uh, uh, of just being physical. And the fans loved it. Because I presume that Section 102, which was your guys' fans' identity, they, they loved every single moment of it. You guys were putting Connecticut on the map in terms of professional sports because they're known as more of a college town kind of thing. Just... You know, it's it, it, and, and, and that Wingfield story was just, it, I was just, my my jaw was on the floor. I was like, whoa. I was like, yeah, they, they're not playing around. These guys are legitimate.
1: Well, you know, when, you know, Brad, he was technically our first signing. A lot of people think it was Brent Gretzky, but he was our first public signing, Brent Gretzky. But our first signing was Brad Wingfield. And that kind of set the tone for the team we were looking to produce. And, uh, man, you talk about a leader. Um, you know, I know he, he, you know, if you do a lot of research on Brad, he's had a lot of unfortunate incidents, a lot of crazy incidents in hockey, you know, fighting, you know, the goon stuff, people call it, but he was the locker room leader. I mean, bringing it back to wrestling. He was the undertaker. He didn't say much, but everyone followed his lead. And, um, yeah, when he went down, that was a huge blow to us that first season. And um, we really rallied around trying to trying to win it all for him because it was um, such a horrible injury, horrible. And uh, you know what? Like you said, and like he said, he was determined to get back. There was no way I thought he'd ever get back. I mean, also, it wasn't like he was in his 20s at the time. I mean, he was a little older in hockey standards. And um, doctors were just like, I mean... Is a, there's such a small, small percentage chance he could come back. And, I mean, he stayed at our house that summer, that offseason. I would watch him. I'd have to bring him to ther- physical therapy, and, you know, I would just watch him, and it was grueling. I mean, it was uh, – there was a few times I had to turn away just looking at his face. He was one of the toughest guys I've ever met, and uh, just a grueling, grueling rehab. And sure enough, he uh, – You know, he got the get back, as they say. And and he was not there was after a few sessions, as bad as it was, I realized, man, he's he's going to get back one way. He's going to get back one way or the other. And uh, he was just the um, just the epitome of being a trasher, you know, taking away hockey. I mean, people use the word adjective now, trasher, like he's a trasher, you know, he is the epitome of what a trasher was supposed to always be about. And uh, rewinding a little bit,
0: um, you you talked about uh, Gretzky's little brother, Brent, and how he was the first captain of the organization, basically just to put it out there. But here's something I wanted to ask you. So you're 17 years old. You're general manager of a team. You have to do this press conference. You guys are being featured in uh, all sorts of media, ESPN, NBC, you name it. Like, this was you even said yourself, you were like the LeBron James of hockey because you're just a kid and you're being given so many adult responsibilities. You, you made a bang by bringing in Wayne Gretzky's brother to be your first captain and just, you know, give yourselves more of an identity. But uh, I I just want to know, how are you feeling like doing all this? Like, you know, just how did you balance between that in school and also personal life and things of that nature? Like, because I couldn't imagine doing that at 17. You're not even an adult yet in the eyes of society.
1: To be honest with you, to be very honest with you, when I knew this was for real, because I thought my dad was joking when he first brought up about the trashers and me being involved and all that. When I realized it was for real, I realized I didn't have a choice. This is what I have to do. I gave my dad my word. I was going to do this, and that's it. And um, you know what it is, man? It's it's one of those things where no matter how young you are or old you are, sink or swim. When you find yourself in a situation. I wasn't thinking about it, you know, um, you know, at 35, like I said, now I look back and I'm like, how did we do this? You know, but at the time you have, it's almost like you have no choice. It's like, listen, well, this is what we're doing now. So I could either sit and cry about it or we got to figure out how to do it. And, um, it wasn't easy. I mean, there was many times during intermissions, I was doing a paper or schoolwork. And then there'll be times I was in class doing hockey stuff, you know, and uh, it was a very weird two years of my life where everything was so scrambled, you know, and uh, but, you know, I found in life where sometimes you're faced with whether it's a job, an obstacle, adversity, you just you find a way. And I really wasn't thinking about my age. You know, all the guys we worked with, you know, I knew I was a young kid. I knew that I probably wasn't going to be taken seriously at first, especially, but these guys treated me like an equal to them. They, they didn't treat me any different. They didn't treat me like a kid, really. I mean, we'd have jokes here or there, but you know, I wasn't really thinking at the time, Hey, I'm a teenager. You know what I mean? Um, I just felt like I was one of the guys as weird as that sounds. And, um, you know, the only time my age really showed is after games where we'd be playing PlayStation, I'd be beating them all. And they'd all be getting mad at me. But uh, you know what? That's That was my on-the-job training was uh, EA Sports. So, you know, that's the only time my age really showed to them is uh, when I'd be scraping them in video games. They used to get so aggravated with me. But uh, good times.
0: That's how I learned hockey, just by playing the video games nonstop, just learning the rules and regulations. So that's how I get some of my terminology, whatever the case might be. So, you know, just just I've I, I related to you on that level just in terms of like uh, – Video games and just um, uh, just trying to learn the sport of hockey or trying to build your franchise within that uh, spectrum of just trying to uh, just learn the game more. So uh, let's talk about Mike Rupp, former New Jersey Devil, scored the game clinching uh, goal in the 2003 Stanley Cup finals for any of my uh, older uh, New Jersey Devils listeners. Um, You brought him on board. When the two thousand four two thousand five NHL season was canceled, and you, I, I, was just like he got Mike Rupp, like like I said, scored the game clinching goal in the Stanley Cup Finals to play for your organization. Tell me about that experience.
1: Well, you talk about just like a weird situation. I mean, I was in the stands. I was I was at the Continental Arena when uh, we we played the Ducks and. In two thousand and three, and we won the cup, and uh, it was literally right in front of me where we were sitting, where where uh, Rupper scored the clinching goal, and uh, you know to see the Stanley Cup in person in New Jersey was such a like a bucket list thing for me. You know, you know we had won in ninety five, won in two thousand. I was going to games then, but I never saw the cup. And you know, the Stanley Cup's the greatest trophy in sports, right? So to see it live was so cool for me. And uh, you know, again, Mike Rupp was a if he wasn't a rookie, he was a very young player. And, uh, you know, flash forward a year and a half later, we had the trashers and, um, I'll be very honest with you. It wasn't my initial idea to bring in Mike Rupp. It was somebody just kind of put together a list of potential NHL players during the lockout. And when I saw his name, I told my dad, I was like, this is the guy, you know, we went to the game together. And I was like, dad, remember we, this guy was the one who won the cup for us. And, uh, he uh, he ended up making it happen and um you know it was what a great guy I mean he was an NHL player but you know he didn't think he was above anyone he came to the games and he played hard I mean he played like he was a young up-and-coming kid you know he was playing hard for us and he put up a lot of a lot of big points and stats for us and things like that so it, it was just such a blessing to have him to meet him he was he's such a, a humble individual and um you know, he, he's the best. It was, it, was, it was great to have him with us.
0: Yeah, so uh, you signed him with the intent of possibly winning the championship. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Um, some things went down with your father and his uh, ties with the mob. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, he, he had ties to the, to the Genovese uh, uh, crime family mob. And unfortunately, it did result in the, the, the downfall of the Trashers organization and everything was shut down. And un- unfortunately, that's when it all just came crashing and burning. But, you know, uh, you, you, you said that after that experience of just having the highs of highs, you know, you being 17, making your own team, having fun, taking no prisoners, bringing in your middle school coach to be your uh, equipment manager and basically helping you out and, and things of that nature. Ju- just everything that you've been through, it just unfortunately came to a halting end. You got a job as Uh, doing blue collar work you just said it wasn't you but now you're a boxer promoter and you actually went back to uh where to the place where you guys played your home games and uh are you at peace with what happened now because you know i i know that feeling of just like having a bad experience with a place then going back to it and this time it's for a good reason and it's just like so cleansing and just like now you're at peace with it now when you think of it you don't think of the bad you think of the good times, the bad are there, but, you know, like, what, ju- just basically catch us up on everything that happened after that.
1: Yeah, I mean, losing the team, I mean, you talk about, you know, we we literally, um, you know, we lost in the finals, and then a week later there's indictments, there's arrests, and we lost the team. So, like, it just goes to show you how fast things in life can happen. I mean, we went from, like, a super high to a super low and honestly, man, I mean, you hit it on the head. I mean, the 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 few years after losing the team were very tough times for for me on a personal level. I mean, you know, my dad was in prison, obviously. Um, you know, uh, a lot of things changed for me. You know, I had to finish my last two years of college, and um, but I, you know, there used to be a saying when I was growing up that I used to hate, but it then it came back to be so true that time heals all wounds, and uh, it's amazing because um. I think this documentary came at the right time because so much time has passed at this point where, yeah, there's a lot of ugly to the story. I mean, but frankly, anyone could Google it and and read for themselves. But to do the documentary, I'm happy we did it because it's just such a it's such a a cool thing for me and my father to share, you know, this legacy. And um, man, I tell you, it was nerve wracking you know, the week before the doc came out, cause you're like, Oh God, how are people going to respond to this? And how are people going to react to us? And, uh, man, I gotta tell you, usually it's always 50, 50, but we've gotten so much love and support from it. And, um, I think it was the timing had this come out six, seven years ago. It might be a little different, but so much has passed. And, um, I think people, you know, obviously there's negative points to it, but I think people are recognizing, because of all the time that's gone by, especially locally, I think a lot of people are kind of recognizing more of the positives that you know came from the Trashers and um, you know helping lay the foundation for for a hockey culture here. You know,
0: yeah. And one of those people that loved the documentary and also you got the attention of was pop sensation Drake, like the rapper. Like he reached out to you and was like, "Hey, man, I need a Trashers jersey." I was like, "You got Drake." To like, I love Drake. I listen to him all the time when I work out. He's always one of my top artists um, at, at the end of the year. But it's just like, it, it's just like you got Drake, a Canadian legend, to, to to reach out to you and ask for a trashers jersey. What what was that experience like? I, I saw you talk about it on barstool, but I w- I want you to talk about it here right now.
1: It man, I, I to tell you the truth, man. Mm-hmm. I'm on my phone. I mean that that's the that's the frame right there. The the. The, the blue frame you see right here, uh, that was the jersey because, um, you know, he had reached out to me the day after the documentary had dropped. And um, again, to be honest with you, Trey, man, I didn't expect the doc to blow up, I guess. Uh, I, I feel I'm a humble person. I feel weird saying the doc blew up, but frankly, it did. Um, none of us expected it and to, you know, a guy like Drake to reach out is insane. And, um, you know, again, you talk about a humble individual, um, really cool guy, really cool guy, you know, and, um, you know, he said to me, Hey man, we, we, I want a Jersey. And, uh, you know, at the time I didn't have any jerseys. I mean, I wish I was prepped a little to have jerseys ready to sell or something, you know, but I remembered, I'm like, hey, you know, I still got my original jersey, you know, when they did the trasher prototypes. I'm like, you know what? I got that jersey in my office here at the boxing gym uh, framed. We we ended up breaking the frame. And uh, <laughs> you know what? You find a way to, you, again, sink or swim. You know, you, sometimes you get one opportunity. And uh, you know what? We were able to make it happen, and get it to him. But he never told me he was going to post it on his Instagram or anything like that. And when he did that, I mean... You know, that was the same week the documentary came out. I mean, it just, you talk about a perfect storm. It just, it blew up from there, man. It w- it's been insanity ever since. That's insane. Like,
0: uh, I-, I couldn't imagine. Like I said, I love Drake. I listen to his music all the time. Uh, his songs are always uh, atop of my playlist. Love his albums. And ju- ju- just the fact that he reached out to you personally saying he wanted a jersey because, you know, he was, um, he- he was a fan of the documentary and what you guys represented it. That had to be that that uh, so surreal. I I know you just described it, but it's just like I, I would be numb to this day, quite honestly. That that's uh, that's amazing.
1: I mean, I tell you what, man, it was one of those things where uh you know I don't get starstruck often. You know what I mean? That's just the type of guy I am. You know, but when I when I spoke with him, I was a little. I was I was just like, this is so crazy that this guy even took the time to to watch it i was like you know the documentary is 80 minutes long where in his life he has a free 80 minutes to watch us something like this i was just shocked you know and um it was the week his album was coming out so just super crazy but again man i gotta tell you just such a humble guy um i'm just so happy for his success because you know i saw firsthand just you know humble's a big thing for me he was just super humble and um you know, I'm just so happy he's had the success he's had because, you know, people like that deserve it.
0: And uh, speaking of humble, you continue to give back to your community and your PR agent told me that you are doing a signing within the next upcoming days. So for any of my uh, fans who are in the New Jersey area, where can they meet you? Because I'm sure a lot of them want to get your autographs, ask questions and just uh, just hear about your story more in detail. Where, where, Where can they find you?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm really excited, man. I'm going this Sunday. Uh, So this coming Sunday, me and Mike Rupp are going to be at Sports Minded Unlimited. Uh, God, I'm afraid to say the town or city because I think I forgot. It starts with an E. It might be Elizabeth, but um, I'll let you know for the pod, man. It's uh, it's it's Sports Minded Unlimited, and uh, you know, me, Mike Rupp are going to be there from one to four. um, You know, meet the fans, do some signings. we, we were able to supply the store with some limited edition Trashers merch, so there'll be some Trashers stuff for sale. Um, it's been hard to keep up with the demand. We haven't put too much merch out, but uh, yeah, definitely Sports Unlimited will definitely have a lot of um, exclusive merch there. And uh, like I said, you know, it's just super humbling. I like going to Jersey because I'm a Devil's guy, so uh, you know, hopefully I see all my Devil fans out there. It's a free signing. If you're a Ranger fan, it's $50, but other than that uh you know it's all good man i like that the charge charge rangers fans extra i love that yeah so, ranger um, rangers uh listen one of the first times i ever cried over sports was in 93 when stefan mateau scored that game-winning goal against the devils to send them to the finals against uh vancouver ever since then i i have a a, a rival you know just by default but I, I'm just kidding about charging 50 for the Ranger fans, maybe just $10, but I can't let you go without something. <laughs> I,
0: I love that. And, but uh, what you said in 1993, six years before I was born. So I don't, I don't remember it firsthand, but I've seen the highlights. So um, yeah, it was a AJ, bad night. It was
1: a bad day. I cried like a baby. So I'll never forget that night.
0: I I, I find that very, very entertaining. Now, um AJ, uh, you say you're a Devils guy now. Are you keep before we wrap up? Are Are you keeping up with them right now? Is Is there a, a player you currently like on the team? I personally like Sharon Govich. I know they're they're struggling right now, but still, it's like you know, gotta remain loyal to 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 the home team. Um, is there a player you have your eye on now? As they are just a young, they're one of the youngest teams in the NHL.
1: Well, definitely. I mean, I'm a devil's through and through. And, you know, when we lost the Trashers in 06, to be honest with you, I stopped watching hockey altogether. Um, I didn't start watching hockey again until about two years ago when Netflix started filming this doc. And I'm like, you know what? I might as well get back into it. And uh, clearly we're in a rebuilding mode. I mean, we got the kid Jack Hughes. I do like Sharon Govich. My favorite I, I got to say, I know he's been injured this year, but uh miles wood is my type of guy. That's a trasher right there. I like miles wood. Um, really, really gritty guy could do it all that that's, that's a guy when I first started watching hockey again, after all those years, he just stuck out to me right away. I'm like, Oh, miles wood, this kid, uh, 44. I think he is I'm like, uh, I think he is. I could be wrong, but, um, you know, and I, and I've talked to PK Subban on a few occasions over Instagram and stuff. And, uh, Really cool, humble dude, but uh, Miles Wood, that's that's my type of player. So um, I'm hoping he can come back from injury. And uh, you know what? We're in rebuild. You know, the Devil fans, you know, you got to be, you know, it's tough. I see it from a GM point of view. You know, fans get frustrated, but a GM has to think about today and tomorrow. You know, he can't just think solely about today. So they're in a rebuild mode and you just got to trust the process. And before you know it, we'll, we'll be back up top there.
0: I love that. And I kind of anticipate for you to say like Miles Wood or maybe Gearston or, you know, just, just like those uh, gritty.
1: Oh, Gearston. I like the kid Gearston. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely him I too. I think
0: he's a bit of a bonehead. I think he like gets into unnecessary fights, but you're right. That's a trasher right there. So I can't really, I can't really fault him for that. That's how he just, uh, I liked how he stood up for Jack Hughes against the Seattle Kraken uh, earlier yep. this year. Uh, so can't really fault him. That's just how he feeds his family. So, um, once again, AJ, thank you for taking the time to uh, do this. Where can uh, my listeners find you at, in terms of social media?
1: Thank you so much, man. And and uh, again, to my Devil fans, I uh, hope to see you this Sunday. And uh, I'm hoping to catch a game. I haven't been to a game in, in... – I haven't been to a Devil's game since Game 7 of the 2003 Stanley Cup Finals. So – I'm hoping to get, to get back there. They're, they're like I,
0: ten bucks. I'm sure they're like ten.
1: I bucks. haven't. I haven't been. Uh, I haven't been to the Prudential Center yet. So I, I'm hoping to get there soon. And uh, and thank you, Trey, for having me, man. And, and all the best. Wishing you the best always.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. Get the tickets now. They're only like ten bucks. So <laughs> that,
1: that would expensive. be a good time. That's for sure.
0: That expensive. All right, AJ Galanti, everybody, star of the Netflix film Untold Crime and Penalties, and former general manager of the Danbury uh, Trashers. Once again, huge thanks to AJ Galanti for taking the time out of his busy day to do this interview. The pleasure is always mine. Check out his documentary on Netflix and also uh, check out some of his other ventures, including boxing. He has a signing with Mike Rupp this upcoming Sunday. So if you're in the New Jersey area and if you're close to the facility, please go out and see him. And. Uh, He's a very nice guy. Get his autograph, talk to Mike Rupp, and try to bid on some uh, trashers gear because, uh, like he said, some of that stuff is rare, and I don't know if it's ever going to come up in the market anytime soon. So, once again, thank you to AJ for taking the time to do this interview. I really appreciate it, and it was a great discussion. As for today's episode, guys, that's about all the time I have for you. So, continue to stay safe. Have a wonderful day, New Jersey. Go Devils. And I will catch you guys in the next episode. Once again, thanks for listening.